That was the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am, I am in my Father, and that you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Uh, It will help enormously to have that passage open in front of you, Uh, have Bibles at the ready as we work our way through. Is Jesus here tonight? What do you think? Is Jesus here tonight? If you think yes, then how? How is Jesus here tonight? Uh, How would you know? How would you experience his presence? Uh, Maybe if you were listening to this reading uh, that we had just then, you thought, "Uh, okay, that, that passage was about the Spirit. So that must be the answer. He's here by his Spirit. Well, okay, smarty pants. Uh, I can ask the same questions. What about the Spirit? Is He here tonight? If yes, then how? How would you know? How would you experience His presence? What would that feel like? What would that be like? How can we say that the Spirit is here or that Jesus is here? And we need to get this straight because... There's, there's kind of two dangers at either end of the spectrum. At one end, uh, we could go looking for the Spirit and kind of find the Spirit everywhere uh, and kind of make the mistake of, of thinking that the Spirit's just in amazing things, in miracles or in some kind of uh, huge spiritual epiphany that we might have. But there's also the other danger, that we could 
kind of just get into the habit of not expecting that the spirit is here at all and just become kind of like functional materialists. If you come and study a book and listen to a talk and learn stuff and make friends, but at no point do we connect with the living God who somehow is here. And so we need to answer that question. That's our question for tonight, Uh, but our passage starts in a different place, and we do need to think about it. So let's dig in. Last week we saw that this chapter is framed by Jesus telling his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, There at the start in verse 1 and then down in verse 27. Jesus is leaving and they're about to be left all alone. And so the disciples feel terrified. They're like a little kid kind of lost in the supermarket. They don't know what's going to happen next. But Jesus has good news. Good news. They're worried about what the future holds. But Jesus says there are good reasons why they should not let their hearts be troubled. And amazingly, just incredibly, all of those reasons begin with the letter R. It's just, it's funny how that happens. Um, So uh, here's the three reasons for reassurance. Jesus' resurrection presence, Jesus' residing presence, and Jesus' reminding presence. And uh, as we work our way through these things, uh, that'll tell us how it is that Jesus' presence is here tonight. So firstly, uh, Jesus' first reassurance uh, is his resurrection presence. Uh, It's there in verse 18. Have a look. Uh, This is what he says to his disciples. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Now, uh, this verse could be talking about uh, Jesus coming to them in the Spirit later, but I think it's talking about Jesus appearing to them after his resurrection. He says it'll be before long and that they're actually going to see him. And it is an incredible reassurance for these disciples who are, are worried about his leaving. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. You can imagine what it must have felt like for them to hear that he's leaving and then to have to go through that, to to have been the ones who travelled around with Jesus and saw him do amazing things, healing the sick, uh, to live with him and, and eat with him and talk with him and then to watch the Roman army put him to death and to have all of them scattered, they would have been left feeling like orphans. And Jesus says, I won't leave you like that. His resurrection means that they will see him again in the flesh. And his resurrection has huge implications for the disciples. Not just huge implications for Jesus, but for them as well. Because I live, he says, you also will live. Jesus' resurrection has implications for them. Can you imagine what it would have been like for them to see the resurrected Jesus, the the guy that they'd seen executed, suddenly there before them, and heads would have been swimming with joy and just amazement and everything. And then eventually, just like the cogs turning, realising that actually they were staring at their own future. That as Jesus 
had been raised. That meant the start of the resurrection age for them too. That's what's ahead for them. Now, uh, we don't get the same experience of seeing the resurrected Jesus kind of right in front of us, uh, but the same thing is true for us. Because he lives, we too will live. The resurrection age has started in Jesus' resurrection. And that resurrection life starts now as we trust in Jesus and unite ourselves with him. We are made alive towards God. And his resurrection is the guarantee that one day our bodies will catch up with that resurrection age, that we will have uh, physically resurrected bodies on the last day. And can I suggest, uh, just as I was reflecting on just the, the amazing blessings of, of Jesus' resurrection for us, it occurred to me that that's the kind of thing which you really need to motivate, meditate on uh, if you had to go into ISO. If you have to do a week of isolation... Uh, why not meditate on Jesus' resurrection? Maybe read through the last chapters of John to do that. Reflect on the fact that because he lives, we also can live. On how his resurrection means that for us, our resurrection life starts now in Christ. And how it means ultimately that our uh, weak and frail bodies beset by Uh, viruses and uh, impending old age for some, Uh, one day those bodies will be like his resurrection body. Something to reflect on. And look at what else happens after Jesus' resurrection. Uh, Have a look at verse 20. Uh, The disciples are there. Jesus says, On that day you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus' resurrection is going to be so, so important for the disciples because that's the moment when they're going to recognise Jesus. They're finally going to see him as he really is. Uh, You read all through John's Gospel, uh, all the Gospels really, and the disciples kind of make a hash of it uh, most of the time. You know, they're always doubting or asking kind of silly questions. But at the end, when they see the resurrected Jesus, they get it. They recognise Jesus' oneness with the Father. And they realise that actually that, that will be me. I'll have the same kind of union with Christ. They, they can see finally how it's possible for them to be united to Christ in the same way as he is one with his Father. And that is the next blessing to come. Jesus' residing presence. Jesus' residing presence. Uh, let's pick it up from verse 16. Jesus says to them, And I will ask my Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Uh, Jesus says he'll send another advocate. That is, uh, he is the first advocate. He's the one who's been with them, helping them, and he's going to send another one like him. Uh, But what does that mean? What does it mean? Uh, Why is the Spirit here called the advocate? The name is actually hard to translate. There's not really one word that captures it. Different translations, if you've got another Bible uh, there, um, a different version that might use a word like comforter or helper or counsellor. Basically, it's the word for a person who defends your case in legal proceedings. 
uh, kind of like a, a sponsor. Um, I guess that they could have used the word barrister or lawyer, um, but I think that would lose the emotional connection somewhat. You know, you don't want to give the impression that the Spirit is billing us in six-minute in- intervals and kind of keeping... It's kind of not like that, but it's... He is on our side. He's closer than that. The Spirit comes alongside us, lives within us, speaks to God on our behalf, and He helps us to live that resurrection life that has begun in Jesus. And He brings Jesus' residing presence. Uh, Read further down, verse 23. Jesus replied, "'Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching.'" My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Make our home with them. It's actually a lovely picture, isn't it? Of the Father and Jesus uh, coming and kind of setting up house. Kind of like new housemates arriving and they bring their couch and they bring all their stuff and they move in and before you know it, you're hanging out in the living room together and sharing life with them, and they're just suddenly part of your life. They make their home with them. And can you see that it's better even than having Jesus in the flesh? He's closer now. He's in us. And it's more permanent now. Uh, It says that he will be with us forever. And I think sometimes we miss how huge that is. Just how amazing that is. I was uh, praying with an older Christian man once and I noticed that quite often uh, he prayed that God would be with someone. Please be with them. And at the time I thought it sounded kind of like that it was like trite or just something nice to pray when you can't think of the actual thing to pray for that person. Um, But... Uh, He seemed to pray it all the time, and it seemed to mean something to him. And so I asked him, I said, how come you pray that God would be with people? And he said, "Uh, really, when you think about it, what better thing can you pray for a Christian? That they would know God's residing presence with them by by his Spirit. To know God's presence to take up that promise that the Father and the Son have made their home with us and to pray for someone who trusts in Jesus to grasp that reality. Do you pray that for yourself? Do you pray that for your friends, that God would be with them, especially in difficult times, but really in every time, that God would be with them, to know the intimate relationship we have with God, our Creator, and with Jesus, our Saviour, through the Holy Spirit. What a great reassurance. No wonder Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Even though I'm going away, don't worry. Jesus will come and take up residence with them by His Spirit. And uh, have a look at who that applies to. Uh, Verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. See, this isn't just talking about the first disciples. This is for anyone. Anyone. Now, it's probably worth saying, it's not saying 
that you need to obey Jesus in order to convince him that he, you know, that you've got a lovely home and that he should come and make his home with you. It's not saying that. It's saying that this is the identity marker, the thing that marks out people who love Jesus. The thing that marks out people who love Jesus is obedience to Jesus. They keep his teaching. They listen to his word. They listen and then they change what they're doing and they follow him and not what they were doing before. That's the marker. And that is the sign that the Spirit's in you. Do you love Jesus? Do you obey his teaching? Even when you mess up, do you turn back to him for forgiveness and a fresh start? They are the signs that the Spirit is at work. Now, who thought that? Who thought that that would be the the sign that the Spirit's here tonight? Obedience. That we actually listen to Jesus. That we do what he says. Obedience is the sign. So we've seen Jesus' resurrection presence with his disciples and the amazing comfort and future that that gave to them. And we've seen Jesus' residing presence through his spirit and the amazing privilege that brings us. Uh, But that's not all uh, this passage has to say about the spirit. Uh, The spirit also has a special work to do in the first disciples, and that is to bring Jesus' reminding presence. Have a look at verse 25. We'll read from there. He says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. See that? He'll remind. Jesus is going away. And so the question is, how is he going to show himself, reveal himself to everyone who comes after the disciples? And the answer is, through his word, through the message about him. And so the Spirit has this special work of reminding those first disciples all that Jesus did and said. Uh, Now, it's really important to pay attention here um, because all through these chapters, Jesus will sometimes talk about uh, whoever believes. There in verse 12, he says, you know, whoever believes, this will happen. Or verse 23, anyone who loves me, this will happen. And, and they're kind of things that apply to, to all of us, even 2,000 years later. Uh, but here he says, you, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. And that you is not you and me. Uh, he's talking about the disciples. He's there in the room with them. He looks them in the eye and he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, you guys. He's talking about the Spirit's work to make their teaching authoritative. He is the spirit of truth, and so he will lead them into all truth. Now, uh, the spirit does great things for me, um, but he doesn't lead me into all truth. I am not infallible, sadly, Uh, but they are the ones who heard Jesus' words, and so it's the spirit's job to remind them so that their teaching is faithful to Jesus. And uh, it's important to say... That's why the New Testament is the way it is. Um, How is it that we have the books of the New Testament the way that we do? Why are some in and other writings, maybe about Jesus, writings at the time, are not part of it? Well, the criteria for a book making it into the New Testament 
is apostolicity. Was it written by an apostle? Or was it written by someone who worked with an apostle? And if not, uh, then it gets cut. And you kind of, that forms the shape of what, what's in the New Testament. Uh, that means that if we turned up a letter or some kind of writing and you could prove that it was definitely written by an apostle, uh, then we'd all have to buy new Bibles because there'd be an update, right? Uh, that's very low chance of happening at this point in history, uh, but that's the rule. Was it written by, an, by one of those first disciples, one of the apostles? Because they are the authoritative speakers of Jesus' message because the Spirit will lead them into all truth, it says. Uh, so here's a kind of simple diagram about how it works, how Jesus and Jesus' words find their way to us. Uh, Jesus' words are given to the apostles, and the Spirit's reminding makes them authoritative words. And then the apostles' words are given to us through the Bible, and the Spirit then applies those words to our hearts and minds. That's a really simple kind of distilling of what these verses are saying that the Spirit is going to lead the disciples into all truth. And we access Jesus by the Apostles' words. And that's a really important thing for us to grasp because that will give us confidence in the Bible. Confidence to know that we are seeing the true Jesus in the Apostles' words because Jesus' reminding presence was there at work in those first disciples. And so really, as you open your Bible, uh, you have everything you need to know Jesus fully. The Spirit has made sure of it. There's no uh, new revelation that we're searching for outside of what's uh, there in the writings of the first apostles. We're not looking for some new modern prophecy to come. Jesus has made sure we have everything we need. Okay, uh, what have we seen tonight? Uh, We've seen that Jesus wants to give his disciples uh, reasons for reassurance. He's going away, but he's not leaving them lost. He's not leaving them alone like orphans. He's going to bring his resurrection presence so they recognise him. He's going to bring his residing presence so uh, he makes his home with them and his reminding presence to lead them into all truth. And that is the answer to our question. Is Jesus here tonight? The answer is yes. Yes. Jesus is here tonight by his word and spirit. Jesus is here tonight by his word and spirit, both at work together. He's here by his word because the spirit of truth has caused the disciples to write truth about him. And so when we read his word, we know him fully. And then the Spirit's work in us is to take that word and apply it to our hearts and minds. He's here by his word and he's here by his Spirit, living in each one of us so that we listen to his word and we keep it. We obey, we live it out. That's true here tonight. 
Uh, it's true at our hub groups as we open the Bible. It's true in your one-to-one. It's true in your daily devotions. Jesus is there, present by his word and spirit. It's true if you feel emotionally moved and like you've had some amazing epiphany. It's true if you don't. He is present by his word and spirit. Jesus uses his spirit and his word to cause us to love and obey him. We're going to finish uh, tonight with a song, a song to reflect on exactly that. A song that acts like a prayer that uh, asks God to speak, to speak that word to us, to take his truth and to plant it deep in us, to shape and fashion us in his likeness by that word, to teach us, to teach us full obedience so that we obey and to help us grasp the heights of his plans for us so that we might know the comfort of his presence by his word and spirit.